1: Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. This is series 16, episode number 11. I would normally have said this is the St. Patrick's Day edition, as it is, the 17th of March. And for all of our Irish friends and those who have Irish relatives, including me and the responsible adults, it is a very happy St. Patrick's Day. However... Tonight, could be a very sombre show. I refuse to have that this evening. Tonight, we are celebrating lives well lived. We are celebrating people whose enthusiasm, whose passion for motorsport was unbounded. And up in London, our executive producer is Tim Gray. And Tim, on a packed Sure, tonight we have, hopefully, you're going to see all the usual features. We have
2: all the usual features. I'm Excellent. To exactly. I'm uh, all the usual features. Uh, we've got uh, our youth contributors as well. Shay Adam and Nick Damon will be with us at various points during the show. Uh, we also have a big interview with Jos Capito. Capito. Capito, yep. sorry. I'll get it right. Fingers
1: crossed for the cross for the, uh, the new man at the head of Williams. 21. Yeah, for our technology. Yeah. Uh, we've got a four way interview coming up later on this evening about a very interesting livery in IMSA. Mm. Shea Adam will be with us to talk about the build up to our live coverage of the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring and its associated races, of which they are legion. Um, uh, that starts tomorrow with the Mazda MX5 Cup and the Porsche. Carrera Cup North America which is brand which, new and which we'll talk you about later tonight we have on the, the joy, man at the hour. Uh, is that Dr. Daniel Ambruster will be with us he's the man at the head of Porsche Motorsport North America I'd your team at where you want to be Ah, oh, massive, massive, massive outpouring of love and emotion for oh, so much going on Tonight, Thank you very, very much indeed. Dave England is the one I'm going to pick out amongst some fantastic tweets this evening. Dave said, I never imagined F1 testing wouldn't really be all that important in the grand scheme of things this week. Lots to reflect on, remember, and give thanks for lives life's well lived and well led. I've got apologies for absence here, but I will be listening late tonight with my morning run tomorrow. And quite a few people saying, Raise a glass, and we will. I've got a little gin and tonic here at the moment, and wherever you are in the world, and I know it's only 4pm in Eastern time zone in the US uh, for a week because you've sprung your clocks forward. Uh, However, um, raise a glass if you can. Tim?
2: I wanted to pick up on that point about Formula One testing, and your saying, oh, we can't do a Formula 1 preview show too early because we need to look at testing because that's where all the stories are going. We've learned nothing from testing. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) nothing We never learn anything. We never learn anything from testing. We usually learn something. We have learned absolutely nothing this time. Uh, But Nick Damon will be dissecting us on Friday at 8 here on uh, RS1.
1: And we'll have him also... Friday at 9. It's at
2: 9 o'clock, that show.
1: It's at 9. Right. Uh, We will have Nick in the second hour of tonight's programme and an important programme uh, Tim following us tonight Uh,
2: Yes, after us tonight at 10 o'clock is uh, Murray Memories uh, some of our contributors here on the Radio Show Limited Network uh, talking about their memories of working with uh, Murray Walker over the years
1: Yeah, and uh, it's a celebration, don't expect that to be sad, it won't be, celebration is what we're all about tonight and let's move to the top story this evening. Play the jingle, please, Tim.
0: All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek
1: Motorsport. Very sad news reaches us here on Midweek Motorsport of the death at just 51 years old of Sabine Schmitz, the... Queen of the Nürburgring, as she was called, she was so much more than that. You can look at her results, you can look at the fact she won the race twice outright, that she won VLN uh, as well. Uh, That doesn't even scratch the surface of the person, as these things seldom do. Patrick Simon uh, is joining us now. uh, Racer, commentator, Nürburgring expert. Uh, Put into perspective, Patrick the person the life the legacy that was sabine schmidt
3: um, yeah welcome john hi everybody it's 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 very easy to describe her it was a it was a smile wherever she arrived it was a big smile and uh, always something with cars or with engines around it's uh, it's it's fantastic to remember her to to really see her, her her smile in her face when she was sitting in the race car and and uh, drive around um, the fan- most fantastic racetrack in the world. It's this is what I yeah what I think just in the moment you ask me that. I
1: I remember working with her on the Top Gear live shows, and she didn't mind being the butt of the jokes from the three amigos. She didn't mind that on the Top Gear shows on the BBC, but let's let's not forget that uh, as an individual as a racing driver, she cut her teeth because she lived round the Nürburgring. Ring. She cut her teeth round there and what, thirty thousand plus kind of laps round round there? She honestly knew if anybody knew that place, and I'm not sure anybody really can say it, then it, it would have been Sabina.
3: Yeah, you're definitely right, John. Um, it's it's hard to really count all those laps she did uh, even in in just in the public driving and and so many she, she made so many people happy about driving around the Nordschleife she made so many people addicted about the Nordschleife by just being a passenger with her in one of the taxi rides she she really did a lot you, you know the first race she did in VLN was 88 together with Hermann Thielke and Franz-Josef Brölinger in a Volkswagen Polo. And when she raced the first time in 88, she already did so many laps by just going to the supermarket down to Adenau, where she she, she took halfway the Nordschleife and just exited a a Breitscheid bridge. Unbelievable.
1: I remember her telling me a story uh, about a BMW that the family owned. And that her and her sister actually, who's also a very good driver, they had um, modified it a bit, and it was sitting with semi slick or possibly even slick tyres on. And our mum was going to the hairdressers, and they hadn't realised that taking that she'd take the BMW. And of course, it started to rain, and our mum had rung from the hairdresser saying something wrong with the car, Sabina. It's not handling right in the wet. And she, what car did you take, mum? Uh, We took the BMW oh I'll come and pick you up but th- but that but and she told me that story with that big trademark smile on her face and I'm like so what did you do oh, with suspension slick tires had a half a cage in it and all but that was Sabina right up and down she had that enthusiasm and that that look that love for everything that she did
3: John, absolutely right. And, and while you t- tell that, I, I, I just remember, I, I think it three, four years ago when there was a damn situation in the beginning of one of the VLN races, and she really passed half of the field in SP9 class to, to nearly go to the lead in just uh, tracks situations like you just described when she picked up her mother from the hairdresser. So that's exactly the the, the <laughs> weather she loves. And, and as you said, she did everything with so much passion. I remember when we had a job together for Dunlop just presenting a new SUV tire while driving in a in a Porsche Cayenne for lap record, stuff like that. I was in the car and she was in the helicopter up and we were communicating to each other. And she always say, hey, Patrick, you have to go a bit faster because I have to reduce the throttle up here at the helicopter, uh, not to, to lap you. And, and it, it, it it's just unbelievable and you know what everybody remember today all the stories together with her she was friendly to everybody she was signing all the autographs in the paddock and i think um, the audience around the world is so big we, we can't even imagine how big it is here in germany she was so popular as you said in top gear and the top gear shows and everything else and I think there are a lot of people around the world who have a big smile on their faces when they think about their last happening last met together with Sabina somewhere in the world.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It's uh, it's easy for us, you know, because we saw her on the television uh, uh, here in the UK. What was what was her what was her um, her brand? What was her uh, persona in in Germany? Was she known well in Germany as a racing driver or as a personality?
3: Yeah, definitely. In the in the in the in the surrounding of all the car guys, she was well known and well respected. And uh, she was always a bit like the target, you know, for all the for the public driver at the Nordschleife to to beat her in, in the taxi. Uh, while she's doing taxi rides for two, three passengers in the in the BMW M5 times, but, but she's she's also um, known for, for somebody who really loves the sport, share the passion, um, and she, she I, I think we have we have uh, Michael Schumacher, we have Bern Schneider, and then closely we have Sabina. Wow! Wow!
1: And 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 in English we have, a, and I know you understand our English idiom very well, Patrick. You've had to work with me in the past, so I know you do. She put her money where her mouth was as well, because she started a team with her husband Klaus Abelland, the Fricadelli team, uh, latterly uh, inextricably linked with Porsche. So she didn't sit back; she was there. She wanted to continue to contribute and to compete, and that that was that was another side to her.
3: Yeah, she was. She was always quite very uh, busy on all the jobs she did. You know, and the family runs the hotel in Arden now, and they uh, they they run also for for a very long time the restaurant, the Pistenklause, famous well, well famous known around the Nordschleife. And she was she was like a bartender for 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 a long long time, just to to help everybody out. And and she never stops. She never rests. She was always full throttle, um, and that's that's. What makes her so special, so individually known, more far than than just the the noble green Nordschleifer? Uh, how do we replace someone like that? You can't, can you? Uh, there's there's nobody coming.
1: She, she was known as the Queen of the Nordschleifer. Rightly so. Shows. She, she did so many laps. She did so much to to bring the Nordschleifer and and Nordschleifer racing to the world. I remember talking to people in the states who played. On PlayStation, and thought the nordschleifer was some creation, some fiendish creation of a programmer. Until they saw Sabina Schmitz and and heard about Sabina Schmitz.
3: You know, John, the, the time changed a bit for sure. You know, during that time when she was really hard on the on the ring taxi rides and and impressed so many people, um, it was all that that we that we had like mouth to mouth propaganda stuff like that. The time changed a bit that the Nordschleife is much more well known by YouTube and stuff like that. But you're right, who can replace Sabine Schmitz? Nobody, because there is only one queen on the Nürburgring Nordschleife, and and that was probably, was for sure Sabine. Um, There's still already somebody around who can uh, follow the footsteps of, of, of people like Sabine. Maybe the star didn't shine already, but for sure we will have people with the passion, with all the same spirit. But there's no one like Sabina, so it's it's really hard to follow up that. Sad day
1: for German motorsport, for the Nürburgring, and for all of us who love cars uh, and driving. Patrick, I, I know how difficult it was for you to come and talk to us because I, I know how well you, you knew Sabina. Thank you very much for joining us on Midweek Motorsport. You're welcome, John uh thank you patrick mary walker we have the special show tonight after uh, this event uh, i also want to just note in a week when uh, two such big names have died uh, uh, a couple of people at the uh, perhaps at the other end of the spectrum but at no uh, less important to motorsport mike pasquale who has been for such a long time a a guiding light, literally, in the Mazda MX-5 paddock down through the years and has also died this week. And Chris Armstrong, Carter, extraordinaire, Upward Felton, contemporary of Joe Bradley and mine, George Price ran them. He was super quick as well. Left the sport for a little while and then got himself back into shape in the last few years and did a bit of classic karting as well. And... Uh, both of those, as I say, at a different part of motorsport, but uh, no less less worthy that we mention them on midweek motorsport tonight. Tim,
2: uh, we're going to do my favourite thing now.
1: Calendar news.
2: Yes, and uh, can I say hello, Shay? Hello. A bit more. Hello. Keep no, going. She's she's not loud enough.
4: Do you, do you... She's do you need me to, to keep better. doing the same hotkey hello?
1: She's a very long way away, Tim. That's the problem. From her microphone <laughs> rather than from me,
2: though. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, no, she's, uh, she's, no. a, she's the same distance hear, away I from you as always. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, sure, so you enjoy some calendar news as well, don't you?
4: I do. Yeah.
1: Uh, and what have we got this week, then, for calendar
2: well, news? First of all, a calendar, we've got three calendars that have changed, that I know of. Um, and the first one isn't a change of dates. Oh, uh, really? Because I can tell you that uh, there's an updated uh, Hankook 24-hour series calendar, um, and the 12 hours of Spa uh, is no longer happening at Spa. It's happening at Paul Rickard.
1: Right, OK. But the date On hasn't the same changed. date? Same date, yes. On the si- Same yeah. date, different venue. Okay. M- much like
2: last year's 24 hours of Barcelona happened at the Hockenheim ring.
1: Okay. Uh, And the other one? Uh,
2: We also have a change to the British Superbike calendar, uh, where they have uh, cancelled anything happening in May, and they're now going to start at the end of June. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. Which uh, just means they have a very, very condensed calendar and lots of events very close together during the summer.
1: Okay. Well, Uh, I think that... Listen... That had a knock-on
2: effect for the British Touring Car Championship. Right. uh, Which now has to go to Snetterton on the weekend that it was going to Brands Hatch and is now going to Brands Hatch two weeks later on a weekend that it wasn't doing anything on before.
1: Right. And finally...
2: And finally...
1: Oh, you see, you you talked about Graventnik. I thought the reason you were holding the other one back was... Because Sheer was involved, our US Oh, correspondent. I thought we'd done
2: that before, hadn't we?
1: I think we had suggested that, but the, the 24 hours of Sebring yes, now classes with Petit Le Mans, Motul Petit Le Mans, and that has well, now gone back briefly, a week.
2: But yes, it's now happening on the 18th, 19th and 20th of November. There you go. Uh, We've got a date to the reason- uh, Dubai 24 hours next year as well now.
1: Uh, have we? Yes,
2: that will be the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth of January. That was excellent. Uh, part of the same
1: announcement. Ooh. Right, excellent. Thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth. Right. Uh, that we can sti- thats good. That means we can still see the Dubai export still going on. We can at, at that still.
2: Point. We can start our 2022 planner already. <laughs> Get your pen uh, out, I, Steve.
1: Can, I can guarantee you <laughs> that the responsible adult is still writing it all in pencil mm. absolutely uh, correct oh, At that, IMSA? that's a,
2: an event that hasn't changed for a very long no. time
1: uh, Dave Olcock says I had no idea hind off that you'd work with Sabina um, she was a hugely positive role model uh, for anybody, especially aspiring women drivers, demonstrating nothing was too tough for any woman, even the Nürburgring. She'll be a difficult role model to replace. I uh, had time for everybody, Dave. You know, uh, everything you ever hear about Sabina, that's exactly what she was. Uh, had a smashing conversation with her when I was working on the two a couple of Top Gear live shows uh, about my 993 round, the Nürburgring and the vagaries of of 993 Carrera 2S's and how they handled and how fast I was driving through one particular corner and why it was jumping around. And her answer to that was, how fast were you going? 135 kilometres, no miles an hour. Oh, they all do that at that speed. Hundred and thirty five miles <laughs> kilometres though. Hundred and thirty five miles an hour, not kilometres. Yeah, well, that was pretty good round there. That's pretty committed. And that was Sabina up and down, Dave. It really was. At in please. Um had the privilege, correct word, of meeting Sabina in the pit lane after the N twenty four a couple of years ago. Exactly the same person you saw on TV. Chatted to the pair of us that were there longer than she really had the time to do. Huge smile and a cold beer. In hand, yes, exactly, exactly that. Uh, fantastic. Uh, and thank you to the brilliantly uh, quick Alan Prosser, Lanzarotti Camel, who has found that race start that Patrick Simon was talking about a few minutes ago. Tim. Uh,
2: one piece of calendar news that we didn't do last week and uh, perhaps should have done because it was... Uh, confirmed as part of that uh, FIA World Motorsport Council meeting. And that's that this weekend's biggest uh, motorsport event uh, has been postponed.
1: Which is what? It is, of course,
2: the Mountain Gorilla Rally in Rwanda.
1: No! I was so looking forward to... Oh, no, hang on. I had to do the Sebring uh, uh, Mobile one, 12 hours of Sebring. So I wouldn't have been able to watch it anyway, to be fair.
2: Uh, So it's been moved to an unspecified date. Remember last year's edition of this rally still hasn't taken place and that it still is postponed. It has not yet been cancelled. It's still officially postponed. And they are trying to squeeze last year's event in at some point. But this year's, uh, which optimistically had been given a March (laughs) slot rather than its usual May date, um, postponed as well. Which means that the first round of the African Rally Championship will now be the uh, Equator Rally. Uh, in Kenya on April the twenty fourth and twenty fifth.
1: Tim, does that mean we might get two um, mountain gorilla rallies back to back in the same uh, in in the style of the Papa John's Trophy in the UK?
2: It's possible. Um, I like the thought. I mean, of that. the only round of the um, African Rally Did Championship. Did you notice how
1: I got a Papa John's Trophy in? Yeah, you meant to congratulate everybody who's a Sunderland supporter at that point. I'm going to have a pizza and Salford City. Okay.
2: Um remember that the only round of the uh, FIA African Rally Championship that actually did take place last year um, was the Rally Bandama in uh, Côte d'Ivoire
1: if you say so Tim, if you say so,
2: so. we'll keep you up to date on uh, the schedule and uh, any other developments in Rwandan Motorsport uh, here on Midweek Motorsport uh, now tomorrow at 8 o'clock uh, oh, yes. we have some more programming for you with the latest edition of the Simcast. And I've just had a note through from Matt.
1: It's the UK no, team. No, not
2: at all. I've had, is it uh, not? Oh, is it on, the I've US team tomorrow? Now. It is Matt tomorrow. I thought it was um, the UK
1: team's turn, yes.
2: And he has told me that tomorrow they will be talking about updates to Formula E in R Factor 2, uh, the return of the Ferrari eSports eSports updates from NASCAR, the Porsche eSports Cup uh, and the IndyCar iRacing Challenge plus iRacing's McLaren 570 GT4. So that's all in the Simcast, which is tomorrow night at
1: 8pm uh, here on RS1. It's Midweek Motorsport Series 16, episode number 11 and we'll head to some IMSA news. bring. At 12 hours, mobile once evening, 12 hours this week. And earlier on today, a very special livery broke cover, well, in the real world for the first time and thereby hangs a tale. Delight to see that we are being joined and we're really stretching our technology here by Will Turner from Turner Motorsport, Robbie Foley from Turner Motorsport and Florian Hasper from b s and obviously from VCO as well will Tada, how did this all come about
5: it was uh it was pretty interesting because pre-covid it was mentioned to me by actually the crotch belt that said hey you know you've been you guys have been crushing it on the uh in the real racing world have you ever thought about starting an esports team for me when i think of esports i think of myself trying to trying to adapt to it and crashing everybody out in the first corner Um, so, you know, my first thought is, you know, it's not for me, but I wonder if my, uh, my young up and coming driver, Robbie Foley is into any of that. And this was kind of before I really, uh, you know, understood how big the esports community was. And before I realized that Robbie was actually an active, uh, an active player in this for, for a while. Um, and, you know, again, COVID hit. And then all of a sudden, everybody started going racing in the virtual world. And uh, that's kind of when the, uh, the idea came up um, about like taking Turner to the virtual world. But I think the icing on the cake was when my dad was watching uh, Robbie Foley race at Sebring in a, uh, in a BMW. And he actually asked me um, when I flew down to Florida, when I flew down to yeah. Sebring. And I was like, uh, no, it's not real. And he's like, what do you mean it's not real? And I'm like, no, that's <laughs> this is this is a simulator.
1: Yeah, well, let's bring you in here, Robbie. I remember that event very well. We rapidly got together with IMSA and iRacing and put together the Super Sebring event, which eventually, of course, became the, the, the Pro Series. And this is where your part of the story comes in because you are, in fairness, a, a, had already been an accomplished iRacer.
6: I was actually thinking about it this morning how this all began um and i remember actually it, i guess it all starts in november of or december of 2019 when i was talking with bruno spangler at a test at daytona that we were both at and uh we were both talking about our simulators and going sim racing and and whatever anyway uh fast forward to when we both went home we said ah well we'll we'll see each other on iRacing racing and we'll do some sim racing he myself and philip bang ended up doing a race at bathurst and then yeah as you fast forward into the more covid period when we were all at home i uh basically got connected with uh all the guys at bs competition um through their support of bmw and the imsa i-racing pro series so the three sides myself well there's really four myself BS, Turner, and, and BMW all came together really at the same time, which was which was cool. And yeah, I was lucky to take part in, in that IMSA series alongside um, some other BMW drivers that had sims, and we sort of put a big effort together, supported by BS competition to take on that, uh, that virtual series where we did really well. Um, the first race was cool for me. I got the pole at Sebring. Didn't end so well, but as a team, we had a, a really good year, a couple of podiums, and Bruno eventually won the championship and uh, I think most of the top five in the championship was all uh, BMW guys supported by BS. So, yeah, that was the start. And um, from then, since then, uh, there's been a lot of collaboration from all sides to to see what we can keep doing to to grow, you know, all of our followings together and uh, help uh, everybody help each other type of thing. Let's bring
1: Florian in here. Thanks for joining us, Flo. Tell me about BS competition.
7: We've been involved as a as a company or as an agency. I would say PR marketing uh, in real world racing for, uh, yeah, I would say all my life, yeah, or uh, ten plus years, uh, working a lot with BMW with with other customers as well, and uh, yeah. Then I would say three years ago, uh, we were looking deeper into into sim racing as well because uh, we realized quite early that this will be a. Will be a factor in uh, in the future or at some point. So we started to develop strategies and blah blah. Um, and then at some point, I, I realized with my with my colleagues here uh, that we can only understand sim racing or esports racing, as I as we call it, uh, a bit better or or really from the inside if we if we are inside of the whole community and if we uh, get our own team going just to you know just to gain experience, just to take part in uh, in events our own and then to uh, yeah use this to produce strategies for our customers but uh, that was the first idea i would say but then when we started it it started like getting drivers like alex foss and Laurie Heinrich on board and niels koch and Kaika schube there there were some some lucky circumstances that uh, that we managed to get them on board and it was i would say still at the level of an experiment and it was a fun project uh, and 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 it's data fun project and this is the amazing thing because it it is just so much fun it's such a such a great community that we then got to know better and we and we realized what kind of possibilities do we have in this i would say discipline of motor racing or of racing i would say uh, and so we started or kept growing it uh, step by step, and uh, I think at the moment we are standing at uh, I would say a driver lineup of fifteen drivers or wow. something. So we have really, really expanded a lot. Um, yeah, and then um, if I, if I, yeah. Uh, Bring the knots together with 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 Turner here. I mean, Robbie really is the link here mm-hmm. because uh, after the strong performances that he showed in the in the in the Pro Series in the IMSA iRacing Pro Series, then we just asked him, okay, would you would you like to join DS competition in the virtual world? Uh, because it seems to be such a great fit, and uh, Bruno Spengler was already in there, and Philip Eng and all the others. So and uh, yeah, Robbie was was up for it. Um, yeah, and then I, I must say. Then it got a bit crazy because then, um, uh, and I, I've known Turner Motorsport for so many years, and I always adored them for their humor in social media. And from from my angle, uh, social media and communication is is such a big element, and uh, and maybe even bigger in esports racing than in, in in real world racing. But Turner is is a team that has always known how to do it and to, and to entertain their fans. And, uh, and then, yeah, then this whole story took off because with the crotch belt being involved, we just we just uh, um, fired all the different ideas uh, on each other and realized, okay, this is a pretty good
1: fit. We have to explain for those that don't know, the crotch belt is a, a Twitter handle, uh, which is very particular to Turner, Turner Motorsports. All of that said, we're used to seeing B.S. competition, a uh, bureau suit, distinctive livery. We're used to seeing. Will your distinctive livery, particularly the yellow and blue uh, of your BMWs? It's a long way from that to somebody coming up, whichever bright spark it was, with the idea of doing a half and half car with the real world and the virtual world livery. I, I would love to have been in the meeting. When uh, when that was was decided and know what you were eating, drinking or smoking, what, how did that
5: happen? You know, you uh, you might be right. There might have been some tequila involved before that decision <laughs> to, to get our, our creative juices flowing. But, you know, the thing is, for me, when I envision the marketing and, and how to market this kind of stuff, I think of something, some kind of shock factor or something that's that's going to be different or, um, you know, un, uncharted type stuff. Because everybody knows Turner Motorsport as a yellow and blue car. Whenever we run anything differently, for instance, like the Liqui Mali livery on the car that we do on some races, when we do stuff like that, all of a sudden it creates a lot of buzz because they're like, you know, you're you're not. I'm so used to seeing a yellow and blue car. So just the the uh, the change up in that alone uh, creates some buzz. And then to do a half and half car with two very unique identifiable um liveries um is is kind of what we're kind of what the purposes of this is because the the esports world and the sim racing world is is huge and from a a real racing standpoint people don't you know there's not a lot of overlap um as you know there is some overlap obviously as robbie drives both but like there's there's so many people in the esports world that don't know of Turner Motorsport hmm. that this was I think this is more of an opportunity to to kind of bridge that and get people from the esports world to, you know, maybe watch an IMSA race because the same exact car that you can you can race in iRacing at sebring is racing live um at sebring yeah. So like what bet what better than a half and half type Delivery.
1: I think it's genius uh, and well done to uh, Andy Blackmore who does the real world Reli- uh, livery and uh, Juan Diego Sanchez who who did the the virtual one for, for getting this together. Ultimately Robbie it's you that's got to drive this. You and Vim Barletto in the and Pilot Challenge for the Alan G Automotive Network 120. Uh, we'll have it live of course in sound uh, and vision uh, over on IMSA Radio uh, and IMSA TV. It's going to confuse me, Robbie, because depending on which side of the track I'm looking at you from, it's going to look like two different cars. So thanks, thanks a lot for that. Um, you've got to remember which side to get into as well. Um, you're going to see one side coming in and one side as you get out.
6: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on top of that, I'm going to be confused in my own uh, overalls in my suit because I'm going to have a half-half suit yes. as well, which will... Um yeah we'll see that in in reality tomorrow um is the suit yeah, the same way around so is it is it beautiful
1: bs on the right hand side and the the standard turner motorsport on the left or have the really really mess with your brain and done it the other way around
6: yeah exactly it's it's the same so Phew. i'm best to just probably look out the windshield to uh to not confuse myself but i think uh yeah it'll be cool and i think it's uh even just the fans on the side of the track, I think people are just going to question it and it'll, it'll create a lot of attention. And it's something I think we can all collectively be sort of proud of that's never been done before. Uh, we've seen uh, tons of times real-world liveries make their way into esports and some partnerships in that regard or some you know some team races a car in reality that – a sim team is a fan of and they and they run a livery but uh, we've never seen the opposite and i think this is a great way to show how serious and how passionate the esports community is in in reality and in a way give back to to all those that are, are competing and great and show off their their love for sim racing in the real world it's uh it's just kind of the opposite of what we're used to seeing so mm-hmm. I, I think it's a really cool opportunity and And yeah, between Florian and Will and especially the crotch belt, there's been, you know, lots of lots of ideas flowing. And uh, yeah, we basically collectively all came up with with this. And and let's see where it goes. Hopefully it's just the beginning of uh, of something that we can we can keep doing. Well, I can't let you go without talking about the season
1: in the real world for the uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge. Competition's not getting any easier
5: for 2021. Yeah, you know, um, I don't think it's ever been easy in uh, in the GS class or in the, the Pilot Challenge class, um, but it's now that these these GT four cars are um, homologated and they, the BOP is so tight, like it's 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 amazing. Like it, you can't just go into a race weekend and um, be mediocre. You have to be on your a game, and sure. you know it's uh, it's it's a new I guess it's a new level of competition. And as you saw this, you've seen all last year, like the, the races are close and the competition is tough and it's definitely not letting up. Um, we're ready. I mean, we have our, we, we have our a game um, back at the shop. I mean, these guys, I, 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 uh, I may sleep in a little later than these guys, but when I get into the shop, um, you know, they're practicing pit stops and they're, they're practicing for, for the, the things that almost like that, if you're going to, if you're fighting for a championship, it's coming down to the last race. Um, My guys are at that level at the second race because they know that it's that it's going to be that tight at the end of the year and they need the practice. So it's great.
1: Of course, there's GT Daytona uh, as well. Some changes coming next year for that with GTD Pro. Is that something that
5: you guys have got to have a look at, Will? Absolutely. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of changes for us too because we have a new M4 GT3. Oh yes, uh, coming too. So it's not just uh, it's not just the the change and the option to do Pro Pro in GTD, but you know we're going to have a brand new car or a couple of cars. Um, so super excited about again the car change, but also looking at the option of Pro Pro. Um, it's the first time where um, I can remember that. Um, you know, a budget like mine that's not, you know, not manufacturer-driven, a budget like mine could actually compete against um, some manufacturers in the pro-pro. So,
0: wow.
5: you know, it's uh, could be very rewarding. Um, you could also, you know, you could also get our our butts handed to us. But uh, you know, I have confidence in my uh, in my team and and our experience. So, we'll see.
1: Well, let's hope you're eating a lot of tacos after race weekends. Uh, this year Will by the way for those that don't know that means that they've had a very good weekend and they've taken home uh, the silver silverware Florian Will uh, and Robbie thank you very much I think this is a brilliant thing have uh, a great Sebring weekend and thanks for joining us on Midweek Motorsport really appreciate it no no problem guys great to to hear you there uh, at Sebring at the moment here Adam R. Uh, Imza uh uh uh, it was a pit and Paddock reporter. Uh, the uh, uh, is been keeping an eye. An keeps a radio pit and Paddock reporter keeping an eye on what's uh, going on to, there. Just a quick reminder. By the way, uh, we're talking about the the virtual world there as well. The IMSA I Racing Championship returns on April the eighth, and uh, we'll be involved in that as well. Our VP of Racing Fuel, Pit and Paddock Reporter Shane. I have been keeping an eye on what's going on. I'll ask you about that in a moment, Shane, and a bit of an update on the mobile 112 hours of, of Sebring. Uh, all of that is good fun, and Turner, we know, is good fun. However, as Wills just said there, the real business end of things is they still want to win. And I thought it was very interesting what he said. I'll have a go at the factories. I've got a chance of having a go at the factories. <laughs> if it comes down to the fact that we don't win, and we get our you-know-what's kicked, I don't care. I still want to have a go. That is so Will Turner.
4: It's spot on for Will Turner and that whole organization. There's a reason that uh, they are long considered the most successful privateer BMW factory team uh, for... You know, many, many reasons. They win a lot of races. They won this Sebring race, Michelin Pilot Challenge, I was going to say a year ago, but it wasn't. It was, what, five months ago. They're a very serious team. They're also a very fun team, and they get the job done at the end of the day. So you can't argue with them coming out and having a half virtual, half real car, because you know one thing's for sure with Robbie in it at the end of the race, it's going to be up there.
1: Uh, And he's just driving with Finn, of course. He's not swapping. Uh, cars, As we said, I still, as I said in the interview, uh, that, well, I still haven't quite got my head round which side I've got to be watching for what the car looks like. We have had cars out on track at Sebring in some of the early running. Of course, things slightly mixed up because we didn't have the WEC there and that led to a little bit of a calendar change, which means... Uh, the Edomitsu Mazda MX-5 Cup uh, has been out on track. They weren't even meant to be there, but they're going to squeeze in a couple of extra rounds. Uh, what's <laughs> happened in the the early What's happened in the early practice sessions, Cher? Uh,
4: well, if you like watching timing screens, I highly recommend tuning in to these sessions because it is Imsa. quite simply put ridiculous. Mm. Um, every single time they cross the line. It's like a casino because everything just changes in front of you. And of course they're going round and round in a giant pack. So the timing screen doesn't change, but every oh, minute and a half, where then you get everybody coming through the, the lap times already already this weekend are about two and a half seconds faster than the track record set a couple years ago by John Dean, the second who is not in this race, by the way. Mm -hmm. And it seems a bit weird because this is his track. He's won here four times in the MX five Cup competition, Uh, but it was Gresham Wagner who was quickest in the first session. Michael Carter was fastest in the second practice session. He actually came to a stop at the entrance to turn one way before halfway in the session concluded. And we did have a couple of red flags interspersed between the two different sessions. Uh, Ultimately, every car should be good to go by the time they come out for qualifying mid-morning tomorrow. We've also had the first session for Porsche Carrera Cup North America. Hey! And uh, guess who was fastest? Sepp Prio. Yep, Seprio. he does not like to share the top of the timings, uh, so he continues on the streak of being the fastest car on track. And uh, for um, property's sake, Alan Metney was quickest in the pro-am category for the new cars, too, so that was pretty exciting to see him getting up. And now we are 46 minutes to go in the Michelin Pilot Challenge first practice session. And one of the Turner cars is on top of the charts with uh, some goat that they found. Uh, that would be Mr. Bill Oberlin greatest of all time, as far as they're concerned. Um, so yes, he is hard to argue with that pace. in
1: fairness here with his, uh, his win record. So they have a goat and a zebra this weekend.
4: That's what they've been saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we are just coming off of a red flag because Brian Henderson in the Atlanta Speedworks Honda number 84 came to a stop again, turn one and needed to be retrieved. Um, in
1: terms of what else has been happening, She you've been trawling through sporting regulations and bits and bobs. What have you got for? That's what you do as our VP, racing field pit and paddock reporter. <laughs> uh, what have you? What have you seen there? that you, you think? And I know nobody's listening to us at the track right now. Normally we'd be doing this from from Sebring, and uh, therefore would be at the talk to people. Uh, I know nobody's listening to us there um, over the PA, at least. What have you found there that might catch people out this weekend?
4: All righty. Well, let me flip to that little page of notes and tell everybody now this is Wednesday. Qualifying will not take place until Friday, so everybody should have time to read the rule. I, and I'm not saying everybody in the world, but all the geniuses <laughs> on the pit boxes. Someone will screw it? this up. I promise you. So do I. GTB. GTD qualifying is different this year. You've got two separate 15-minute sessions, the first of which is for your silver or bronze driver where that session sets position. That is your Motul pole award, if you will. Then you have a 10-minute break and the second segment where a different driver, big notation there, must take the car out. You may change the tires, but it has to be a different driver than the one who set your position that's when the points are awarded. So we go, remember 35, 32, 30, 28, 26, 25, so on and so forth. The first section has to be done. You have to run in the first 15 minute period if you're gonna run in the second 15 minute period. In other words, if you want points, you have to go out in both. If you run in the first 15 minute period, but you think, I don't really wanna go out in the second 15 minute period, well, guess what? You did the first section for nothing because you lose your time and you get no points so they've basically made it in effect you have to run all 30 minutes of qualifying but the big thing for me who is going to forget that they have to change their driver <laughs> tim
2: career what happens if the drive in the first session crashes and leaves the car beyond repair so the driver in the second session can't go out
1: well that, that's a very good that's first
4: measure so but does that mean the first position or they might, well, they they might do anyway because if they, they had, had to do
2: to... some changes, I suppose that disqualified them from starting in their start position and had to start correct.
4: Sure, the but they would score no, no points, and that's the big thing.
1: Right? Okay, but they'd lose up they may lose. Uh, i it, it's 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 complicated, but I I suspect we'll find out as we're as we're going along how it actually works. I I, I don't. The answer to the question is make qualifying more important in longer races. And I, I actually don't have a problem with that down through the years of how various thing, various series um, have done this. And adding points for qualifying, uh, meaningful points for, for qualifying, I, I really don't have a, a problem with. Also, in pro-am classes, Shea, making the am driver a part of qualifying i also don't have a problem with and i don't think we should should we
4: no and and to be quite honest the AM, am driver has been the mandatory part of qualifying for a couple of years now in gtd well actually only two seasons i think might might even be the first um but what they've done is they've made it so that both drivers have to contribute in gtd towards uh, the qualifying effort although The am driver is setting the position still and therefore must start the race on the set of tires that is set with that qualifying effort. The pro driver then gets to step in and make the effort for the GTD uh, points part of qualifying. The the thing that I find interesting with this is that it says that it has to be a different driver. You must change drivers. Well, at Sebring, you have two other options. Yeah. At Watkins Glen, you have two options. At Petit Le Mans, you have two options. Every other track, it's going to be straight up. So do you choose to give your other uh, third driver, in effect, a bit more track time and then waive? forgo in essence mm. the bonus 10 points that you might get for coming in first as opposed to coming in seventh or do you go for those points because they do add up
7: it's
1: catch up well or do you get a qualifying specialist in um for it you know it's it's a possibility yeah. for those uh those uh uh, those particular races. Let's catch up on a few stories that broke after uh, we were off the air last week. She, as we head into our live coverage, which starts tomorrow. RS2. Imzeradio.com. Imzeradio.com. Uh, live in sound and vision for the bulk of the weekend, uh, including all of the races. And, of course, the qualifying and the full race live for the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring. We were talking about a driver we were waiting to hear about to join uh, Catherine Legg uh, and uh, Christina Nielsen. Uh, You kind of knew who it was. It wasn't our announcement to make. That's been confirmed now.
4: Yeah, Figuero comes back to join Kat and Christina in the 88 Porsche. And again, this is another interesting thing where people didn't quite uh, read the rule books and understand that the points for the team are associated with the car number. So the two team owners are not racing in the full season championship long car, which is interesting, but the 88 is the one that scored the points at Daytona. The 99 is going to be Trenton Estep stepping in with Earl Bamber and Rob Ferriel. But yeah, very excited to see Bia back in the car. I believe this is her first race since she had a child. Uh,
1: Trenton Estep stepping in there as well. That's a change, is it not? Uh,
4: Two. The 99, no, that was expected, that he okay. would be joining Team Hardpoint EBM. Uh, the other big change that we have had in terms of Porsche, though, in GTD is Trent Hinman. Trent is Hinman, back in sorry. For, that's,
1: for, yes, excuse me. That was Very my fault. close on names. No, but. Um,
4: tr- yeah, Trent back in with uh, Patrick Long and Jan Halen joining the two uh, Sebring 12-hour winners from last year. So that's going to be a very strong car. But Ryan Hardwick saying that he will be back by mid-Ohio. And still no full explanation given and to be quite honest it's not our business to to know what ailed ryan or or the extent of his injuries but i do have to say i'm very proud of him for making this decision because when you come back to racing and especially racing at a place like sebring you want to be 100 percent on top of your game so to know that he might have 99%, and 99%, it's still not good enough, but it is darn near impossible to step out of a car, especially when you're coming back to the defending race winner. So I applaud him for making that decision.
1: Oh, I think it's very, very mature, very sensible. Uh, head to uh, LMP3 for a moment. Uh, win all the sport. Uh, 37 cars for uh, the P3 entry, uh, and Geordie Matt Bell is back in the IMSA paddock.
4: Yes, we have Wynn with a Duquesne chassis that they're going to be running, car number 83, Matt Bell, Rodrigo Salas, and Nicholas Crutin, who has a background in open-wheel racing, a young German. He also has ties to Nicolas Pierre and Cool Racing, and I did see earlier that Matt Bell announced a Cool Racing program for this year, so perhaps that's a little bit about how all that came together. Now, we did have another LMP3 car on the entry list that had question marks around it, 47 motorsport and Mm -hmm. this is quite a story full credit to jeremy shaw for passing along the intel what happened was jim norman procured an lmp3 car wanted to race it it was not ready for the race weekend 47 motorsport had already left the track they'd taken their hauler and started to head back north after competing in the race last weekend because they didn't fill the seats for this weekend well comes along Jim needs a car, they had a car, a little bit of racing magic and a little bit of help from the big guys up at IMSA. And uh, Austin McCusker, Oliver Askew, and Jim Norman are going to be sharing the 47 Motorsport Duquesne for this weekend. Love it.
1: Wow, that that's a super, super story. Uh, handbrake on, parking brake on, uh, turn back around yeah. again. Um, Corvettes, uh, we know now for sure that Corvette are only going to do the one WEC race because of the calendar changes. That's going to be Oli Gavin and Tony Garcia. They'll be going to the, the prologue and then race at Spa in, uh, in, in Europe. And bizarrely, those two have never driven together. The substantive squad at Sebring um, this weekend and then we'll go to Le Mans in August. Um, hang on, something's, something's wrong with the world. There's no yellow <laughs> on the Corvettes
4: there's no yellow on the corvettes at all you're right uh one is silver with red accents i believe that's the four i'm gonna go out on a limb and say the other one is uh silver with white accents no yellow um i yeah i i I honestly can't even talk about it i'm I'm in such shock i wonder if maybe gm ran out of yellow paint
1: yeah very good i I, i'm i'm not sure uh, what's What's uh, what's happened there, and we'll we'll find out. I'm sure uh, what that is in aid of. The good news is, if you're in Europe, of course, and you can travel, you will be able to see a Corvette racing uh, at Spa if you can uh, get out there. A um, couple of other things. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking um, Michelin tyres in our build up to uh, to the race on Saturday. Tony Minard will join us in the Michelin countdown to green and we'll have coverage of warm-up as well on saturday check the schedule on imsa radio.com on rs2 for what is is going on uh we, we've mentioned about uh, one or two changes it's, it's now s9m plus for all the tcr cars in the michelin pilot challenge
4: yes and we'll see how this affects the different cars uh right now We have the Audi that won at Daytona is actually the quickest car on track because they have just gone back to green flag again, 35 minutes remaining in this session. The Alpha is second, a Hyundai is third, and a Honda is fourth. That puts a smile on my face Mm -hmm. if you can't hear it in my voice. Um, But it's to try and bring a little bit more. Um, equality to the entire paddock, I think it's fair to say, and in TCR, the front tires are the ones that you really really worry about because the back tires are just there to hold the exhaust off the ground as you have very well trained me that's so Martin it's Martin definitely- Haven
1: that's from Martin Haven.
4: Yeah, it's it's going to be a good test to see how the tires go at Sebring because then, of course, the next race will be at Mid-Ohio, another track that tends to be a bit abrasive towards tires.
1: I, I'm right in saying that those uh, new S9M Plus were only on the front axles uh, earlier in the year. Is that right?
4: Uh, yes, I believe you're correct. Right. And remember, at Daytona, it is normally a, a special situation in and of itself that there's a different BOP for Daytona. Um, so a lot of people I know for the, the WeatherTech BOP, for example, were getting slightly confused at the ginormous changes that they were seeing in effect from Daytona coming into Sebring. There are ginormous changes, but from Sebring last year, which was the last BOP, to this year, that's how they set things. Daytona is its own monster.
1: Yeah, it's uh, five sets of the Pilot Sport S9Ms for GT for GS. rather. Uh, and four sets for the TCRs, but that's the S9 M plus. That's that new tyre. In the WeatherTech Championship, um, it's uh, mediums for the DPIs and the P2s. It is uh, different front to rear for LMP3. Obviously, the GTLMs have got their own, and S9 Ms again for for GTD. And and how many sets is everybody getting for Tech here?
4: Uh, 23 sets for DPI and LMP2, 18 sets for LMP3, 21 for GTLM, and then 18 sets again for GTD. Now, the concern right now is that it's hot today. It is going to be equally as hot tomorrow. It's going to be much cooler on Friday with the chance, actually, of thunderstorms. I've seen conflicting reports on that, but it's Florida, so I'm going with the chance of thunderstorms. And then much cooler for Saturday. So Saturday's conditions might be more similar to what we saw in the November race than what we're going to see in practice tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Because that's a huge difference from what we saw uh, when we last raced there, which was only in... Uh, In September, Um, with a bit of luck, we'll have Dr. Daniel Ambruster on in the second hour of tonight's programme to talk about the new Porsche Carrera Cup North America. Uh, Tim, can we replay the the, uh, Carrera Cup North America preview, show after the Murray memories tonight? Yes, we can. Right, okay, that, that's good. Let's do that. So, if you didn't hear that on Monday, Jeremy Shea and myself going through the runners and riders for what looks to be a really interesting uh, championship. And we'll, we'll talk to, to da, Dr. Daniel Ambrister, who is the man at the head of Porsche Motorsports North America, in the second hour of tonight's programme. Uh, Anything else, share before we let you go and watch timing screens? Uh, oh, you t-
4: I haven't stopped watching timing screens. I never stop watching no, timing no, that's screens. That's true. Um, we, uh, we have had uh, two, well, one notable change, the uh, 48, the Ally Racing Cadillac, uh, they changed almost their entire pit crew because ah. they found that they were losing so much time on the pit stops that they actually mixed it up and they brought in more NASCAR-associated people to run on the Chad Knaus led 48 uh, and the... Only other thing I can think of that's really fun to tell you right now. How many of the 37 cars do you think have complete crews that have won the race before?
1: This is is going to be another zilch, zero, not at all, isn't it?
4: No, it's two. Oh, okay. The 55 Mazda from last year, the winners in November, and the number one Paul Miller Racing Squad. Those are the only two cars in the field where all the drivers have won. Just before
1: I let you go... Um, a, a quick word about a, a retirement for uh, uh, a Le Mans, three Le Mans winning uh, driver. Uh, Marcel Fesler finally called time on his uh, career. A uh, couple of decades of racing in sports cars, DTM, and various other things. He's going off to uh, run uh, a Swiss sports car, the SportTech team. Um, a big miss. Uh, Audi, of course. Uh, Nick Damon is on the line with us now. His breakthrough win was neither with uh, neither with Audi or indeed with Corvette, for whom he had a
8: great run, um, but with an Aston Lawler. Nick, and you were there. Yeah 2009 it was um the year after the financial crisis so all the works factory teams had pulled out of the uh Le Mans series and we went down to Barcelona and yeah absolutely storming drive by by Marcel to to put the was it the, the ugly swan that turned into a duck I don't know if it was uh that particular car to win um Great and story uh, yeah and the thing is, the weird thing is, when I heard he retired today, when we you talking about retiring, he, retire, he only just starting. That, of course, is 12 years ago. He'd already had quite a successful singles in a career prior to that. But yeah, it's it, time does fly when you're following motorsport. Uh,
1: he was the... He had a great Shane New both Shane and Nick will remember this, a great partnership with uh, André Lotterer and Benoit Trellouet. Three Le Mans wins um, with, well, Audi R18s of... Of various vintage, and of course, they won. Nick the inaugural FIA World Endurance Championship in 2012 as well. So he was a world champion.
8: Yeah, I mean, Master was a really, really good sports car driver, a fantastic endurance driver. Where he turned his hand to to GT cars as well as prototypes. And one thing you should say, of course, when you mention those those three uh, drivers, it was a four man team of course, or four person team of course, with Lina uh, that that uh, won those championships. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I always thought Marcel was a, he was a lovely bloke. Well, he, he hasn't gone anywhere. He is a lovely bloke. He was a lovely guy to talk to. And, um, yeah, I think he got the success he deserved, which doesn't always happen, does it?
1: Yeah, he won the Sebring 12 Hours in 2013 with Trenouet. Oli Jarvis there as well. And then the Corvette wins as well. I always remember in a lift with him, I think at Spa, uh, Eve and I were, were going down, getting ready to go at the track, and he and his missus were there. And there was some chat going on. And Eve giggled at something that Marcel, Swiss of course, speaking in Swiss-Deutsch, Eve giggled and he said to Eve, oh, you speak Swiss-Deutsch in Swiss-Deutsch. And she replied because her mum was Swiss and spoke Swiss-Deutsch. And they had a fantastic relationship uh, after that. Shit, Adam, a number of his teammates uh, were in some ways very, very complimentary about how fit he was. (laughs)
4: <laughs> Complimentary is one word for it. Uh, envious of his fitness. I remember once having a conversation with Ollie Gavin, who was complaining that Marcel Fessler is just the most naturally fit person in the world. He goes skiing for hours and hours and hours and doesn't even break a sweat, and yet he will go for a run with Ollie and and outpace him. And Ollie prided himself mm. on being a runner and, and Garcia experienced the same thing he's one of those people who is a naturally gifted athlete and certainly will miss seeing him pedal race cars but can't wait to see what he does uh, on a box.
1: Yeah well if he's involved in anything to do with that team I'm sure he'll do a great job. Shea, thanks very much Nick stay with us uh, because we go into hour two, Oh, we're a little bit over, of Midweek Motorsport right now
0: Motorsport time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up.
1: Uh, Nick Damon will be rounding up all the Formula One news, although not too much of it, because we have got our Formula One uh, preview coming up on Friday at 9 o'clock, we'll be talking Porsche Carrera Cup North America, the debut season of that, uh, with a bit of luck at a fair win. Dr. Daniel Ambruster, who's the man at the head of Porsche Motorsport North America, will join us uh, to let us know what's going on there. Your tweets as well on specutainment. And don't forget, after us tonight, our Murray Walker memories here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limiters' network of channels. Series 16, episode 11, continues next with the big interview.
0: Midweek Motorsport on RadioLamont.com.
1: Well, as promised, our big interview tonight on Midweek Motorsport is the CEO of Williams. Uh, New to the Formula One game, uh, for 2021 it's Jost Capito Jost thank for thanks very much for giving us some time Are you excited for the new season yeah john thank you very much
9: and uh, hello to all your listeners really excited talking to you about the new job and the new season uh,
1: let's let's get right into it because uh in some ways a lot of changes this year for formula 1 not least that you only had 3 days of testing just completed of course Give me the bullet points. What do you think was good? What do you think wasn't so good? What do you think you've achieved? Yeah, I think this
9: this season is quite a special season. I think it's an interim season for most of the teams as the new regulations come in 22 and there were not many chances to develop the car from 20 to 21 because for the reasons we all know and why we're all sitting at home. Uh, But the three-day test in Bahrain was pretty good. The weather conditions were quite extreme, especially on the Friday. There was a sandstorm. The sand got really everywhere. So they compromised a bit on the program. We wanted to run on Friday. But then Saturday and Sunday, especially Sunday, was really good. Saturday was still a lot of wind with wind speed up to 30, 40 miles per hour. Uh, But that was, you know, that was, uh, I think that's where our car last year wasn't really good when we had the wind. And for us, it wasn't quite good that we could get data under these conditions. And then Sunday, it was a bit better, and George did a lot of mileage on the Sunday. So we could gather good data that now have to get all into the systems.
1: Tell me about how you split the day up because, or the week end up, <laughs> should I say with such little time, you elected to put your, your, your test and reserve dri- driver, Roy Nisseny, in on, on day one. There was quite a lot of aero rake work going on, In that, That that's quite a bold move when you you, you had so little time to play with.
9: Yeah, because the the guys planned it very, very precisely. And for us, it sounded better that we have one day per driver that we can work intensively with one driver through the whole day. And uh, I felt a bit sorry for Roy because on the first day uh, that was compromised with the sun. But um, this happens he was still in a very good mood and he's a very solid development driver. He does exactly what he's asked to do and he did a fantastic job on the Friday under the conditions.
1: I presume, like everybody, your test and reserve driver is really important this year. We we have our fingers crossed that nothing goes wrong with the, the primaries, but you, you, more than ever now in Formula 1, have to be ready in case you don't have access to one of your drivers.
9: Yeah, I think that's very much the case. That was always the case. and It always something could happen, so you had to be always in the position that you have a reserve driver uh, when you go to an event and think uh, that it's business as usual.
1: Where do you feel Williams are? Williams still a fan favourite team. We all feel somehow linked to the Williams story and it's been a disappointment, let's be honest, over the last few seasons.
9: Yeah, sure it was a disappointment. It was also a, dis- a disappointment for me watching Formula One from the outside the last year. So that's for sure. And then for this year, you know, there's limited development from last year to this year. So um, I don't expect that the ranking order will be very much different than it was last year. That doesn't mean that we don't push and don't try. So I think when you see last year, the the team in eight and nine, they didn't have lots of points. So I think that it was pretty close and it can be pretty close. But that's where I see we fight with that with that kind of teams and we try to get as much points as we can. So when they are there, don't do mistakes and, and get them. I think the main thing is to close the gap and see if we can close the gap to the front runners consistently. Uh, but the big push we assume for 2020, so then we must have a significant improvement with the new regulations and there we see the chances. So for this year, is use the best of what we have.
1: And does that mean potentially doing some things that uh, that look a bit off kilter? The old saying is, if you do the same as everybody else, you'll you'll get the same results. So have you got to identify those potential situations whereby maybe doing a strange pit strategy or, or doing something different, where you can put yourself in those positions to score points?
9: It it's very much when when the when the situations are unpredictable if it's weather situation whatever like this then then you have to be better so that's we are pushing very hard on the pit stops I think the Williams had always really good and fast pit stops also last year so if we know we don't have uh, one of the fastest cars we that does not mean that we have not been on the best on anything else and that's what we really try to improve for this year.
1: Through your career, Jos, you've, you've you've dealt with small teams, big teams, very big teams indeed, in a number of different motorsport scenarios. How has it been for you, integrating into Williams, racing drivers, particularly Formula 1 drivers are, are strange beasts. Are they any different, more difficult, less difficult than than what you've had to deal with in the past? I, I don't think you can point this to any category, isn't it? You
9: have you have strange characters, good characters, fantastic guys in each category. So, so far, I find the drivers that we have are very down to us, very competitive. They're very eager. They're very demanding. And they are not, not uh, easy and simple guys because then they would never be really that competitive. Yep. they um, And uh, look at them. They have the right attitude towards pushing the team, but also then being loved by the team. You know, if you just as a driver push the team and they don't like you, then then you have no chance. And if you are just a nice guy, you have also no chance. So it's uh, to find the right the right way and the right attitudes. And I would say that all our drivers really have that. And I was really surprised by that.
1: And what about the rest of the team? What's the team's spirit like going into twenty twenty one, particularly after the test? Um, I think they're
9: very. the, the team is very realistic. So what I told you before, what we expect that is communicated and everybody has the same view on that. Yeah, It's for the new ownership with, with Doriton, there is, I think there is an uplift spirit in the team mm-hmm. as they invested quite a lot already end of last year. So, you know, in the last years, it was really a lack of investment and, uh, you know, the financial situation was not on its best. Uh, but it's gone so much better and everybody sees now that Doriton is in that for the long term. It's not just for the short term. There was a worry that they might change the team name. They don't change the team name. There is no interest. They want to make Williams be a front runner again. This is their long-term objectives. And that gives a lot of security for everybody in the team, for, for all our employees. Um, and I think that you feel in this in in the general spirit it 's like you know it 's reignited
1: you, you already said it 's a bit of a holding year for for everybody. Does that mean that the development of this year 's car will be fairly static, and you 're already looking forward to the big regulation change, the new tire and wheel sizes? You've got a new gearbox coming next year. Does that mean you're already focusing on that and therefore what you start the season with will be pretty much static throughout the year?
9: Yeah, we already very much focus on the 22 car, but that doesn't mean that we give up on the 21 car, isn't it? It always needs a fine balance what kind of capacity you put to the next year's car and to this year's car. If we see that there is obvious improvements possible through the season, through this season, Of course, we'll do our very best to implement those as well. But we are very careful not losing the focus on 22.
1: As far as what you saw and what the team saw at Bahrain for the the three-day test, Mercedes didn't do probably as many laps and that was one of the, the, the big headlines. You're a Mercedes partner team. Does that slightly worry you a little bit?
9: No, no, that doesn't worry me at all. Um, but I think it's difficult to see exactly where the packing order is in for this for this season because the conditions were so difficult. They were uh, they, uh, and, and also different and changing all the time. Wind was changing all the time and the strategy of the teams are not the same. Um, uh, you can't say, but in general, I think it's very much identical as last year. The teams who were close last year for sure, will be close this year. And that means they could be in a different order than at the end of the season. But uh, if you say the front runners, the mid runners and the back runners, I think they will very much stay as the same pack.
1: Williams in a, a different phase now. And we have seen that teams can be turned around. Think of McLaren, for example. Is that the sort of turnaround that you guys are looking at? I'm not saying it's going to be the same. I'm not going. To, I'm not saying that you're going to employ the same tactics. But do you believe that the the building blocks, the foundations, are still good enough at Williams to be able to turn that round in three, four, five, six, ten years, however long it takes? I think you can't compare
9: directly the situation where McLaren was in and where we are in now. You know, I had a short stint at McLaren, end of 16, and I know exactly where they were then and what was happening, what was going to do. And you can't compare it directly. You can compare about the competitiveness right now, but but the rest is is very different. So I think there is not um, uh, one strategy or one recipe how to get the team from the back to the front. It has to be very individually done and uh, very very carefully looked in all the attributes and then do the right things, just not copy somebody else no. who's done something similar.
1: Have you got what you believe is a roadmap that will take you from where you are now at Williams Formula One to to where you want to be? And how important is the partnership and the long-term partnership with Mercedes to being able to follow that roadmap? As, as
9: you say, in the, in the moment, I believe is everything is in place to get Williams very much up to the front of the grid again. And this is one is the basis of the new owners of Doriton who are really uh, committed. And also the Mercedes long term partnership is also very important for this. As you know, we get the next year, we will get also the gearbox. So then we have the whole power uh, uh, drive train
10: uh,
9: together, uh, the power unit and the engine and gearbox. And that is, let's suppose, very important. And on the basis in Williams, we have a fantastic wind tunnel. And also what I found, we have fantastic personnel. We have a great mixture of young engineers uh, who come in with new technology, with new processes and so on. But we also have very experienced engineering. And if we get them working very well together, then I'm convinced we have the right ingredients to to make a big step in the future.
1: Jos, thanks for joining us on Midweek Motorsport. I'm sure the vast majority of our listeners will join me in saying we want Williams to be strong again, and we wish you all the best. Very good luck for 2021 and beyond. Yeah, thank you very much, John. And
9: I see from the fans, I see the goodwill to Williams, and this is very important to us as well. Without that, I think we wouldn't get the spirit in the team that we can really move to the front. So thank you very much to all the fans and to everybody who really yeah. supports us in whatever way, even in the social media and really wants us to see back. This drives us a lot and it's very important to us. So thank you very much to all of you who are doing that.
1: Um, very important that you came on, Jost. Thank you. Jost Capital joining us on Midweek Motorsport just after a quarter past nine on a Wednesday evening here in the uk nick damon is
8: our formula one correspondent (laughs) hooray it's actually formula one happening well it's happened and we'll carry on happening hurrah for formula one hooray
1: can i uh, uh, you were listening dutifully to that whilst (laughs) i was talking to yost isn't it isn't it kind of of refreshing Forget what team it is, but isn't it kind of refreshing that a man who is the CEO of an F1 team wants to talk to radio. He's a big radio fan, by the way. Uh, thanks, Jost, for that. And he is prepared to deliver the same kind of disappointed feelings that we've had. You know, we don't want to criticise. We didn't never wanted to criticise Williams. We just felt like they could have... Oh man, it was so frustrating at times. Is that lovely that he's got into that job, and is prepared to tell us absolutely that?
8: No, I think, I think it's great. I mean, in fair or in fairness to other people, he they are in the ideal situation. They are um, under new management, uh, both financially and now organisationally. Um, they have a, a reservoir of goodwill. Everyone could see it wasn't working with the previous um, family situation. management. Yeah. So. They are effective. They can really say anything they want. Now, some things he said, um, you know, are interesting. The the reaff- reaffirmation with Mercedes, given the fact they've been courted heavily by Alpine or Renault, which you will want to call it. Then again, do actions speak louder than words? And then you think, well, why did you put Roy Nissany in the car for mm. a day? You didn't know it was going to be sandstormy. That was purely financial. That was no other reason for doing it. Roy hasn't even got a super license. He had to have a green light flashing the back of the car the whole time. This is nothing against Roy, by the way. No, no. This is about the, the way you go about business. So um, it's... You, you go, oh, fair enough. Now, it's interesting you talk about the turnaround. And obviously, it would know, be great to get a little bit more – I'm sure a much more of a difficult question is what have happened in McLaren in 2016. And the three-month he was there. Yeah. The, the one thing that does, of course, um, aid Williams in the turnaround, which obviously wasn't aiding McLaren, and that has been responsible for things like them having to sell the technology center, is we are now moving into a cost cap. Yeah. So they're not being outspent. So let's like say, say they were spending about, I think, 80 million and, and, or 90 million, and, and Mercedes were doing 280 million on, on the car. Well, Mercedes will only spend 140, and if they can up it to 100 or 110, the gap obviously massively reduces. They haven't got to muck about with their team because they are understaffed, so they haven't got to get rid of people. They can carry on building what they've got. They can, they can give a, a structure, so it's a good place to be. It's definitely conceptually on the up, Though obviously everything is going to depend on how good a fist they make of the twenty twenty two car. You know, after testing it's pretty obvious we're gonna I think we're gonna have a stratified last three in that has to be way off the back, then Williams and then Alpha. So it's not gonna be three racing tyre. I don't think so much. <laughs> just... I, I, I did
1: think as well that his point about how, how you know how tight it is in the midfield and how those positions could change around. Absolutely right absolutely right also to be realistic it would have been daft for him to turn around and say yeah we're going to be a world championship winning team in four yeah. years or five years um, I, there is something about williams though and, and here's a perfect here's a perfect example of of what the fans think alexander or- Orkin, thank you for a lovely interview with yosuke copytail lovely to hear the honesty and developing positive approach for for Williams. Uh, great work uh, from uh, everybody for pulling this together. I fondly remember the white with green side pods of the FW07 with Rosberg, the wingless FWA Dave Alcock. There's so many. Even, even the responsible adult has has just tweeted, I am totally rooting for Williams to have a resurrection. Now, there is something about that team that just that just spurs on that type of emotion, isn't there? Well, let's,
8: let's be really honest, and we'll talk about this week, that if we really go back and think about British people, this is I'm not talking um, uh, English-speaking people, your memories of Formula One of, of the, in the 80s and early 90s were Murray, Williams and Mansell. That's what you remembered. That's the first thing your mind goes to. I believe if you're a, a British fan, obviously you're a Brazilian fan or a French fan, it's different. And that And they are woven into that kind of... Feeling about motor racing, you know, a a true racing team that didn't care too much about the marketing and everything else, and true races and a true commentator. So you know, it, it is you know a very emotive thing. I think we we carry that with us. I was a Williams fan, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm now um, basically neutral these days because you have to be in the, yeah, in yeah, the no, uh, this I game. But I was complete Williams fan. You know, we, we've talked about my Williams Gillet in the past, haven't we? You know, so. um but it's, it's it's you know I think we, we ever want to see them back. It's a long road as McLaren have have, have shown. It takes investment. They have a number of things going for them which others haven't. But it's going to be very very difficult.
1: Yeah, very very difficult. By the way, we are setting up a, when we get a, a bit of time. We're going to set up a long one or at least a medium-sized one. He's a busy man, of course. Is just capital? I I want him to talk about winning, well, first of all, doing the Paris-Dakar on a bike, uh, which is madness. That would have been real Paris to real Dakar, wouldn't it? It was, it really was Paris to Dakar, Paris-Dakar, and he won the truck category in a unimog and came 11th overall, which I, I think is still the best result overall by a truck, uh, he's uh, he's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I, I love it. And he's been involved in so many great road cars as well. So we'll ask him about that when we get him back to do the long one. Tim, when when do we think we might air that long one?
2: Well, next week is the Marco Bonanomi long one. Uh, yeah. And then after that, uh, two weeks' time on – that's after Midweek Motorsport next week. Two weeks' time yep. after Midweek Motorsport, we've got uh, Historic Racing News is uh, – march edition so i so next probably the opportunity week end after that unity right? would be on the wednesday the 7th of april
1: so that's the okay fine okay but it might be so the, it,
2: uh, it might be on the 14th
1: but in april right. we'll keep we'll keep an eye open for that <laughs> we'll we'll set that up and get that and thank you to uh, to uh, Kerry Flaus and to Sophie Og for setting that up for us uh, as well uh, and and uh, allowing us to to talk to Jost and, and Jost, of course, himself for giving us his time. I have no idea how they find the, the time to do that. Uh, it is our Formula One preview on Friday at 9 o'clock, so I don't want to do a massive amount of Formula One news right now, Nick, because obviously you're going to go through it all, on uh, on Friday, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, couple of uh, I I have watched pretty much every moment uh, of what happened on track because I was voraciously uh, voraciously uh, consuming uh, that um, as a, as a man who has been offered a, a small piece of gruel. Small pool of grill after not <laughs> so eating for three some weeks. More coverage. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. So, it was
8: great. I mean, I I, I enjoyed was a, it. I, mean, I did it was quite dull, I mean, you obviously had, you had obviously had highlights your weekend anyway with Sunderland's victory, but it was quite a dull Thank weekend. You. I didn't have much on, so I ended up watching a huge. I mean, I would normally go and I'll watch the, the roundup at the end of the day. I must have watched. I didn't watch all of it, but I must have watched at least fifteen of the twenty-four hours, which I, I would never have expected. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I I've got um. I've got, I think, about ninety minutes still to watch um, of the of, of four, but that's it.
7: Yeah, no, it was a, it was, it. A,
8: it, was an, it was entertaining. I think they they mix and match the various voices. Some you would agree with, some you thought, what on earth are you doing there? But it was a it was an interesting combination. Great to hear um, Sam
1: Collins talking a lot of sense about sticky up and sticky down bits. Yeah, that's and... that
8: always that's always a worrying thing. I think I think they had the same problem I do when you get someone an expert into the booth. It's always a worry, isn't it?
2: <laughs> that mean you don't want to have Sam Collins with you on
1: Friday night.
8: I'd love to have Soundcon with on Friday night. I just want to know whether that phone number's worked yet.
1: <laughs> we'll get him. We'll catch up with them. I'm sure. I'm sure. That's Friday night at nine o'clock. Um, I, I did, as you heard there, I did mention to Yost the rather worrying. Uh, in fact, in fact, I think they were the only Mercedes-engined team who didn't have issues, no, weren't they? McLaren
8: okay as
7: well. I'm oh, a McLaren. Yes,
1: that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, That's fine. Cool. Um, but both. Um. Both the, the works team and AMR, which is obviously um, another Mercedes reserve team. Uh, mm. That's what AMR stands for because they've got a – they've kind of got the away strip on the AMR. It's, it's very disappointing. I know they've doesn't gone for good green. Camera. i doesn't it, look on the camera at all. I, I know it's green. But they've got the same stripe, the same highlight stripe, in the same place as the Mercedes. It's basically the B team, isn't it, Aston Martin? And that's not what Aston Martin should be. They both had problems, which suggests to me they're both running the same iteration of whatever software gearbox engine.
8: Yeah, obviously the issue of having a gearbox is not a problem for Williams this year, is it? Because they don't use that gearbox. That's correct. Um, uh but you know i think i i think because of the condensed schedule just three days those individual problems which over a six-day test probably everyone would get just gets blown obviously becomes a far more important and b far more reportable i think um it's definitely true that aston martin had a horrible test just generally i don't think mercedes had a horrible test it's not a very good outcome from the test you know it's 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 you know they they, they didn't get time to do race runs and then they said well, we don't need to do race runs this is the, the the functional parts of this car the tank and everything else are exactly the same as last year so we know mm-hmm. we can fill it up we know we can run it for 68 laps or for 57 laps we don't need to do that don't get me wrong they would have they would have had the time but they were concentrating on the other problems mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i think it's you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs and buts and tests what i will say is i genuinely believe that red bull are faster I also am going to say right now that given reliability, Max Verstappen will win the Bahraini Grand Prix. I did a lot. However,
1: of... oh however,
8: <laughs> however. Oh, there was just a pause there. No, because what I was saying, well, that's not me saying that Red Bull are going to be world champions. What I am saying is, is that they have hit the ground running and Mercedes are on the back foot, but Mercedes has on the back foot before. There are also, unfortunately for Red Bull, when you start really well, what you want to do is be able to rub the nose in as quickly as possible, get those, you know, get those three or four wins in the ball, which, of course, is exactly what happened with Braun in 2009 when they, they they got all the points out quickly. We should have been going to China and then Vietnam, which would have been a very difficult place to make structural progress on the car. You tend to, tend to think, right, the first time I can really change we go back to Europe. We've actually got a three-week gap, and then we go to Imola. Yeah. It means that there's a hell of a lot more chance that the problems will, the problems which I'm sure will be significantly sorted by Bahrain will be even more significantly sorted by Imola. So it may mean that this, this early lead that Red Bull definitely have, it's not sandbagging. I mean, it, it, they definitely have that lead may get eroded very quickly. Cause I don't believe it's a fundamental problem. I think it's a setup problem. I think it's a couple of, probably a mismatch issue, but you know, they were still able to turn, turn times and, the only other caveat I would, I would, I would put on the performances um, of the relative teams is it was quite noticeable. that they saying was way better with Bottas on board. And I think Sir Lewis Hamilton couldn't be bothered. Well, that's not fair. No, wasn't no, as motivated, no, no, no. Say.
1: He actually admitted on camera, I don't like testing.
8: No, it isn't. He's not, he's not interested in it. And so he's not, he's just, it's not, it's fair enough. I mean, some people like, you know, like Michael Schumacher loved, loved it, loved doing every single lap. Some people want to keep their power drive for the race. But... Mm. Um yeah so say again I think Red Bull win the first race and I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens once they get back to Europe but I think it I do, do think you, it's been much much closer this year. Do much you honest,
1: closer. do you honestly think we've seen the final iteration of the the Mercedes Mercedes rather than the Aston Mercedes racing um that as it will turn out in in Bahrain in a couple of weeks time Because they, they were out there they were the only people who didn't do any filming days beforehand, and I know filming days are filming days, but but they're, they're, we haven't seen, we have not seen the final error for Mercedes Benz,
5: have we?
8: I, I'm not sure how many changes they would they, they can or would make um, in what is essentially about a seven day turnaround or six day turnaround for Bahrain. I think there's a chance that they that they can probably sort out a lot of their issues with with setup, not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, tire usage and everything else, I'll be pouring over the data and they've got enough people to do it. But yeah, I, mean, I think if we're going to see aerodynamic changes. They could easily be, be brought through and not even rushed through, just brought through for another, uh three, three weeks hence. Um, and don't forget, Bahrain is not a good track for Mercedes. No. They've, often, they've often been beaten there. So I don't think they're as panicky as people make out. I don't think they're as behind as people make out, but they're definitely behind.
1: Um, do... Uh, wiggly Floors...
8: Don't preach
2: yes. the uh, preview show too much, John.
1: All right, okay, fine. Where do you want to go, Tim? To?
2: Uh, would you have liked to go to Spain?
8: Would I? I'd like to go anywhere at the moment. I don't care anywhere. I'll go anywhere. Where do you want to go? I'll go. Give me the plate. I'm you, going. If
2: you were a championship that was uh, mm. supposed to be doing some pre-season testing at uh, Valencia next month, ah, and then you decided that... Actually, you can't go to Spain next month. Where would you relocate right. your test to? Portugal. Mm. No, to where? Where has W Series relocated its test to? Anglesey.
1: Brent, uh, Anglesey. Anglesey is a correct answer. Five really? day. Five day test at Anglesey.
8: Right. So that's five day test. That's what seventeen minutes of dry running.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's a five day. It, I think it is a five day test, isn't it?
2: It's original hope, Valencia one was. Um, Hang on, it's a 18, five. 18, yes, it's a five-day test at Anglesey.
1: Five-day test at Anglesey on. Well, you've got a number of different circuits there you could use. There's at least a couple of couple of three different iterations. Uh, so when we say it's going to be a test, it's going to be a test of in, Ah, actually, the weather's not too bad. When when is that team? When does that start? That, that will now be May that? the
2: seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth, and twenty-first.
1: Uh, and remember by, which by team then,
2: runs uh, W series and where they're
1: based. Who does run W Series? High Tech. Oh, right. And they are based at? Wales. Yes.
8: At Wales. At Wales. In well, Wales. At, well, I'm All of it. based
1: at Pembroke, aren't they? Well, they so are
8: yeah, did, we, did, we, did we miss a fight off between Pembroke and Anglesey for the gig?
1: I love the idea of a five day test at uh, at Anglesey. Anglesey's a great circuit. Not really a very Formula 3 circuit, though, is it? Oh, I think it'd be a fab Formula 3 circuit, actually. Really? I might, okay. I I, might
2: I... take the week off and go to Anglesey and just stand on the cliff edge and watch.
8: I can think of interesting... Yeah, but, but, but Casino and can go abroad. that's probably is your holiday. Go for it. <laughs>
1: I know some very good places to eat and drink on Anglesey. It has some fabulous places.
8: Oh, I like Anglesey. I've been there both in the summer and the winter, and I liked it both times. We need it's to do a, a bike ride. Outlay. We need to do a bike ride to I Anglesey. need to get my bike and would first, but yeah, I agree with you.
1: <laughs> we absolutely need to do the back roads to Anglesey and and do, uh, do a, a long way end in Anglesey. We also need to do the Northwest 500 as well. That's been cancelled. Uh, sorry, the...
8: North Coast 500. Yeah, one. Yes, Diane did it a couple of years ago in a car. Who did? So I did it a couple of
1: years she? ago. Did she? Did she do it um, from Aberdeen anti clockwise? You'll have to ask her that. I don't know. I just know
8: not did. I, I have a
2: feeling she went anti clockwise, yes.
1: Uh, I think I want to do it the other way.
8: Um, oh is it, is it like is it like bragging rights on one way or the other no way, I don't
1: think it is but I've got I've got family at Drum the Rocket and family at mm. Eve's family at how many, how uh, many
8: distilleries is it taking oh Speaking of which, it's your birthday next week, so I know it's just as well, really, because despite me having several several bottles come December the 25th, there's very obviously, uh, you know, three months in lockdown, there's now very little.
1: I may, I may, I may be able to help you with that. Thank Mr. goodness for David, that. Thank some, goodness for that. With some uh, Dane Park bacon and <laughs> and a bottle of single malt for your oh, birthday. Oh my life! It,
8: just, it sounds like a really, really sad batch doesn't it? Really, yeah. Give uh, me some booze and some bacon, and let's go with that. Uh,
1: five day test at Anglesey. One and a half laps of the wind going in the same direction, a bit, bit like Bahrain. Then Alan Prosser, you're absolutely Ooh.
8: right. Uh, the fantastic. W Series season begins
2: at Paul Ricard uh, a month later.
8: So, uh, well, at least there's very no, similar least they're very similar circuits, they are almost so similar. entirely,
1: uh, almost entirely exactly and uh, uniquely the same. I'd spec you, Tim, and if you want to get in touch with us, and don't forget tonight.
2: Even on the same side of the track.
1: Correct. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us at Your Entertainment, remember tonight a couple of extra programmes. Uh, Memories of Murray will follow us this evening. Murray Walker, uh, who uh, died uh, over the weekend. At the uh, I mean, BBC legend, broadcasting legend, Formula One legend. Just an all-round nice bloke. And we'll follow that up with the Porsche Carrera Cup North America uh, preview show. Jeremy and Sheer joined me for that earlier this week, uh, and we've got some Porsche news in a few moments. We've got a guest lined up. We and do we'll keep an, but one keep an eye on that. that. Oh, I think you are okay, is, right? I was just—that's um, why I was kind of. Did you see how I was kind of I, I saw nosing you into that. In that direction? Yes. Yes. Okay. Very good.
2: Uh, this is uh, ever since I was a young boy. News.
1: Excellent. Uh,
2: oh, Always good because Calvin Mandelinda is going to make his DTM debut for AB
8: Sportsline this season alongside Mike Rockefeller. Good. So has he always wanted to drive in the DTM? Has he always wanted to drive Ab Sportsline? Has he always wanted to drive Mike Rock- with Mike Rockefeller?
2: We'll find out later. He'll be in an Audi <laughs> R8 LMS GT3 Evo uh, run by the team which uh, was runner-up last year with
1: Nico Muller. Uh, oh.
2: But uh, Miko, Miko Nico Muller... Has, Nico uh, to- no, Miko no, Muller... Miko Muller! No, no, that's he's,
1: much better. From now on, he's always going to be Nico Miko Muller. And the same way that I... Always get um who is it? I get the wrong way around in IndyCar. I've forgotten now Pick shit should have been on. No, carry on. Uh
2: Muller's gone to with uh, Dev uh Gore. And uh obviously that's left the uh, gap for Kelvin to fill. Uh Thomas Spearmeyer. What sorry, what was he driving? the Audi, Audi thing
1: the GT3 R8 R8 yeah GT3 evo yeah, yeah. Um,
2: remember he uh has won the ADAC GT Masters in an Audi and obviously won the Nürburgring 24 hours in an Audi in 2017 for Land Motorsport uh, uh, Holton and Kurt, by the way, thank you. Holton Kurt, yes. of course, yes. yes. Uh, Thomas Beermeyer is the sporting director of uh, Sportsline and says, Mike knows the DTM inside-out after 14 years and Kelvin knows every little detail of the Audi R8 LMS. I believe that with this duo and our team, we have a strong entry to compete with. Kelvin van der Linde said, For 15 years, I've been dreaming, working and praying for this day.
1: Excellent. How old Did is he it? actually say it ever since I was a small boy? How old is Kelvin? Because obviously he well, wasn't probably,
2: dreaming about this when he was a very small boy, I don't think but it was possibly four.
8: for fifteen years, man or and boy, he's not. I'm sure he's over thirty. I'm not convinced he is.
1: I don't think he is. I think, I think I'd say been... mid to
2: late twenties. 1996 uh, he... he was born, so he's 25 this yeah, year. Spot so he's 24 on. at the moment. So for 15 years, that would that would have made him he's nine. nine so
8: since he was nine so a nine-year-old dreaming. boy dreams of driving for a sports line there we go yeah that
1: is everything since he was a small boy I think that does as ever since I was a small boy. <laughs> primary school is boy. fine yeah yeah, yeah absolutely uh, tomorrow night we've got the simcast at eight you've already heard uh, Tim telling you what's going on there at nine o'clock Tim we have got on the grid
2: at nine o'clock Quelzi will be here uh, along with uh, Tony Becky. Uh, With On the Grid, and I know that earlier on you told me what was on this week's show, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is. So tune in
1: tomorrow at nine o'clock here on RS1. IMSA welcomes a brand new championship at Sebring this weekend as we debut the inaugural season of the Porsche Carrera Cup North America. Yes, we've had Porsche Cup before, we've had Cup Challenge but we've never had Porsche Carrera Cup North America. Dr. Daniel Ambruster from Porsche Motorsport North America is with me to discuss this brand new championship. First of all, Dr. Ambruster, congratulations. 36 cars in what is effectively three classes with two different types of of cars, 35, 36 cars. You must be absolutely delighted.
10: Hello, John. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, absolutely astonishing and uh, we are really um, uh, delighted. But we are also still humble um, because of the entire situation and um, the start with the test was um, absolutely perfect. Lots of positive momentum. Um, but as I said, we are still humble and um, proud that it turned out that well. In any year
1: a grid of over 20 of the brand new Type 992 Carrera Cup cars would be impressive. With the current issues that everybody's had over the last now over 12 months, did it surprise even you guys at Porsche Motorsport how how much interest you've had and how much that interest has turned into actual entries?
10: Absolutely. So um, when we started this endeavour, um we were really conservative. And we started with 15 992 cars. And um last year we had a sneak peek where we um showed the car to a uh, elite group, and the feedback was very positive. And together with the Carrera cup, I think both um they um supported each other and um that turned 23 cars, um 992 cars and um yeah, the rest are 991.2s. I think that was also quite nice move and smart move um, to grandfather the 991.2s um, just to keep uh, the momentum and also um, keeping the guys that's um, on our uh, serious.
1: When you and I spoke at the end of 2020, towards the end of 2020, you said you expected maybe 15, maybe 18 cars from Porsche Motorsport at Vaisac for the 20. 20- Twenty-one season. So, did you have to go and bang on the door for those extra cars, or was the the fact that you had so much interest in the new Porsche Carrera Cup North America did that effectively make your case for you?
10: I had, to be honest, um, really banging a lot at um, on the doors, and <laughs> everyone was surprised. And we were the first market worldwide um, with a sneak peek, and um, also with the feedback and. Uh, my colleagues in Germany, they were really sensitive and look what we are doing and um, how the car was um, uh, recognized in the market and also our, our customer feedback um, as well. So um, with, uh, with that in mind, um, they realized that the 992, even with a pandemic background, could be quite um, positive to launch. And um, yeah, my my colleagues in Germany they reprioritized cars, so promotional cars, cars show uh, show cars, so um, everything was now more allocated and reduced and allocated to um, to our market. So um, I, I'm really grateful um, having the support from Germany and um, getting eight additional cars. So that's not really usual. Um, so I'm I'm really happy about that. Now, there's
1: only been. Eight iterations of the Porsche uh, 911. So when there is a type change from 991 to 992, it generally means there's quite a lot of, of changes. And it's exactly the same with the racing car. So the cars are going to look distinctively different. They're the they're, they're big wide-body cars. There's a lot mm-hmm. of different aero. What should we be looking for, Dr. Ambruster? And, and what is going on underneath that is different as well? It's still, thankfully, that wonderfully sonorous flat surface that that drives the car so tell me about the differences in this new 992 cup car
10: there's so many um differences but but the focus was laid on drivability um so we have a double wishbone um, front axle um that's probably the largest um change and also supporting drivability drivability of the cars and um I had the opportunity when when the um, car for the sneak peek um, arrived in, in America, um, it was in a container and we had to push the, the car out of the container. So I sat in the car, the guys pushed it out and then it stuck and um, we couldn't move it back and forth. I couldn't um, got out of the car. So I sat there for more than half an hour in, in the car. Then you are starting to look uh, around, and um, before I, I was here in, in uh, responsible for uh, for PMA, I was also responsible in in Germany for uh, quality management, um, and also before that for electric electronic development in in motorsports. So um, I had a deep look at the. Um, the way and the quality of engineering, and um, you can really see that in every single edge and niche, um, how precise it was developed. So I would really say it's um, it's a piece of engineering art, and you can really find it in it's 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 proper engineered. It's a Weißer um engineered car. It's really astonishing. Um, even the, the 991.2 was was perfect, but this is really topping it.
1: One thing that the teams are going to have to get their head around, other than the fact that it's a new car, aerodynamically, the new rear wing, very much taking inspiration from the, the RSR with the swan-neck yeah. mounts, much more adjustability on that rear wing than we've seen typically in cup cars in the past.
10: Yeah, so the, the cup car is definitely moved much closer to um to the GT3R and also uh the splitter um is um pretty close to to a splitter from from the um GT3R so the aero balancing is much better and that's also supporting um the drivability and we saw that in um at the test last week in Sebring we were Pretty close to lap times of a GT3R. So um, the guys they were they came back from track and they are really smiling, laughing, shaking hands, waving um, because it, we did um, two minutes per lap. Or so and a GT3R is um, I think in qualifying something about one fifty-eight something like that. So something be- between two minutes is um, is the goal and um i said to the guys uh, you never can uh, win the race in the first test and uh, by the way we don't have any taps here uh, in in the US right now so please take care if you crash the car you are out for the first race so everyone was uh, really humble and um took care about the car but even under these circumstances we, we did 2 minutes per Very good. Um, per lap so
1: Another thing that the established teams in the Porsche Carrera Cup North America, who've been racing with you for a few years here, they're going to have to get used to different wheel sizes front to rear. That's a a characteristic of the road going type 992. New tyre supplier as well. And that has brought... Porsche Carrera Cup North America into line by bringing Michelin on board, big IMSA partner of course but also a huge yeah. Carrera Cup global partner and that brings Carrera Cup North America into line with the rest of the world
10: Yeah, absolutely and um, we are really proud having Michelin on board finally um, because that's also elevating and um, our series and it's mainstreaming our series and brings us to the international Carrera Cup um, community and uh, that's also important for our young kids uh, because now they are eligible for a shootout in in Germany to to win probably a full season in the super cup and um in the past with the uh with other tires um it's really difficult to get um used to um to um, a tire if you are just racing it once. So um, it was really the downside in the past when our kids came to, to Europe for the shootout and they uh, never had a full season of experience with, with the Michelin tire. Now we have a new tire for, for the 992. So everyone um, has to handle um, the new tire, has to learn the new tire, then the new car. So it's resetting everything worldwide. And I hope um, that brings our kids in a much better position for for the shootout in Germany.
1: And you bring up a good point there. That is the Porsche Junior Programme, revered the world over by so many different manufacturers. Again, for the first time, we can now have a proper Junior Programme in the Porsche uh, Championship in North America, now that it's a Carrera Cup. It's worked because... Look at the entry in that 14-car Pro entry. We have got Pro drivers from the Netherlands, from the UK, from the States. They want to be part of this. They see the opportunity that the Porsche Junior programme can provide them for perhaps even the rest of their careers, if we think of someone like Pat Long, for example.
10: Pat Long, for, um, he did exactly the same journey. And um, he's also on board uh, with the junior program. But to be honest, we also did in the past a very good job with the young driver academy. Uh, it was um, founded by Patrick Long, uh, just to give something back from his point of view. So I'm I'm really proud having him on board as well. And. Um, the, the, the young driver academy is uh, transitioned to the junior program just to get it also in line with the international activities so that it is more comparable. But my focus for the junior program, what we are doing is um, more classroom teaching um, because for me, um, at the racetrack during a season, um, the, uh, the drivers or the, the, the kids they know very exactly um, or they can improve their, their skills, driver skills, at the end of the season, we will see um, who is really performing because um, these are lap times, these are penalties and um, overtakings um, smartly. So um, we will analyze the, the race um, season um, very deeply together with, with, the, with the entire team um but with the with the classroom we also want to give them beside racing or let's say off track more experience and also an additional education and some of the modules i also did with my managers um because that's really general uh, skill set and um they le- um they learn topics in in the classrooms you can use Forever for life, um, also for business, and um, I think that's that's really important. Not just being focused on racing, and the racing topics, um, but also giving a little bit more because not everyone um, can be a factory driver and can um, Trip. Um, do his life with with racing. So um, and you know, racing means backup, so having backup solution in in, in your pocket. I want to give them a backup solution so that um, if this ID doesn't turn out well, um, that they have at least some assets and learnings they can use for their life. How proud would it make
1: you to have a Porsche Carrera Cup North America junior driver win the shootout and go on to be a a workster? I can see the smile on Dr. Ambruster's face now. I don't need him to answer that question, but for those of you listening, that would make you very
10: proud, I take it. Of course. Um, That was the target in the past. And now we we created an environment um, to educate and to push the guys to their limits, giving them enough exercises so that they are really in a good spot. And uh, we are the the largest uh, racing market uh, in the world. So um, we have to have um, excellent race drivers. We just have to educate them. And um, I think this is a perfect platform for educating and, you never can say that's my target um for this year but i would be absolutely proud if we can show um the guys in in euro in the, at the shootout that we have really um high runners and um if we can win this shootout that would be the icing on the cake
1: it's a, a new name for us to remember the Porsche Carrera Cup North America it's a new car for us to get excited about the Porsche Type 992 Carrera Cup one thing I'm sure won't change is the quality of the entertainment the excitement and the racing Dr Daniel Ambrister from Porsche Motorsport North America thanks for joining us, it's Sebring all the way through to Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta Dr ambrister thank you very much indeed for joining us
10: Thank you for
1: having me. And those first two rounds of the 2021 Porsche Carrera Cup North America as part of our mobile one. 12 hours of Sebring coverage this weekend. Live, free, sound, vision. It's all there on Imseradio.com. Check the schedule there for details. Tim, where would you like to go next?
2: Uh, Well, first of all, I can tell you that uh, I now know what is in... uh, (laughs) This week's On The Grid, which is tomorrow night at nine uh, here on RS1. Uh, and it will be...
1: Tony Dalberto. Tony Dalberto, that's right. TCR Australia and his DGR Bathurst drive. Yeah. That's uh, Shebex and Creelsey and the team tomorrow at night. Chaps.
8: Yes. Um, you know how you, when you make a mistake, you have to admit it? Yeah. Um, and I need to apologise to everyone and most, uh, most of all, Sarah Rigby, because I misremembered completely the 2009 Le Mans series. I was nagging my mind I may have got that wrong and I got Marcel Fasman and Stefan Mucker mixed up.
1: Oh, did
8: you? So and I apologise to on. everybody.
2: We got you on for a Marcel Fesler story on the basis that you'd seen Stefan Mucker win a race.
8: Yeah, I was not on for that. I was, I was, I was waiting to listen to the Yosca Peter, wasn't I? And I just said, "Oh, I remember that." But I'm afraid my adult brain, which you get another year older next Tuesday, made a mistake, and I apologise everybody. But it doesn't get—I it, got mixed up because um, Marcel did a number of runs previously in the Lola version of that car, um, and when, was, it, was, when it
1: was the Swan, yeah,
8: I got completely wrong. Sorry, everyone. Apologise. So, it was to Stefan Muka who won. Yes, with Jan Cheruz and Thomas Engen. Ah, so I've looked it all up now. Because my mind went, "Are you sure, Nicholas?" I like the fact that you've come. That do you know what
1: though? That's very merry of you, because <laughs> Murray would have put himself right. However long afterwards it was, he would have done it. So that's very merry of you. How appropriate this evening, and we will have our Murray walk and memories show uh, coming up uh, with uh, uh, some of our team who've worked with with. Uh, the fine man himself. Uh, Tim, we've got four minutes before that starts and then we're going to have the Porsche Carrera Cup North America preview show with Jeremy and Cher here on RS1. Where would you like to go to fill that four minutes? Do you want to go to Spain? Have we done that line?
8: Yes. <laughs> That's twice Mark, you've asked Mark the
2: same question. What was doing in uh, Barcelona, Nick?
8: He was doing a test on a not Grand Prix bike that actually, is a Grand Prix bike, but it's not because you're not allowed to test Grand Prix bikes. So he was on the very, very exclusive Honda RCV213VS, which was a hundred forty-five thousand dollar or pound special. Basically, you know, you can buy a MotoGP bike from two years ago bike, which of course he's completely allowed to do it, just a track day, and he's getting his elbow down. Well, so... hang on
1: though. Before that, I saw him on a I a saw him on a yeah. mini bike, which I thought to myself the last thing i'd want to get on if i was injured and potentially you know mm-hmm. coming back have you ever ridden a mini bike uh only once i have ridden a mini bike and yeah, it was the bike. most mm-hmm. bizarre thing now i've ridden a mini bike when i was probably 15 to 20 kilos heavier than i am now and i'm not exactly the world's most felt motorcyclist and i remember Getting my shin down and scraping yes. my shin on the ground on that mm. bike, and I thought you don't hang about on them. I thought to myself when I saw Marquez. That's anecdote. not, I know, but I thought to myself, if I'm Mark Marquez, I'm not sure I'd want to
8: do that. And then he goes I've on to not this other. Falling the... far, are you? Well, true,
2: true. So, before we uh, go too far, you said he uh, got his elbows out. Does that mean he can actually bend oh, them? No, he got now? his
1: elbow
8: down. He got his elbow down.
1: Yeah,
2: he I've, seen the, I've down. seen the
8: picture. Effectively, he was cleared to ride on Saturday, and by Tuesday, he was riding what is effectively the closest you can get to a GP bike that's legal at ridiculous speeds. At, I think it was Barcelona, I can't remember which track it, it was, was and getting his elbow down. Yeah, now, whether he can do it for 45 minutes and, and what the pain was and what his actual pace was, I don't know. But it looks very much like he's back for the Qatari round. Who's going round to Round one, and then they have two back-to-back.
2: And Aprilia at Jerez.
8: Andrea Davizioso. Is he? Dobby, got a Three-day test. After turning them down, don't forget, in the closest. For a race and test seat hoping for something better there's something better being mark marquez not coming back from injury um he's now decided because they've you know a nice bit of uh pr because they had such a good test in uh qatar he's now going to be testing for the three days in between round two and round three because the first two rounds in qatar and then the round three is scheduled for port amount. and given the fact that uh, portugal is rapidly improving in the covid state, it looks like all those portuguese races are going to happen
2: it's out of the red zone now isn't it
8: mm. Is it? Yeah. There's only us yesterday. in Portugal, the UK and Portugal who've got falling rates of infection in Europe at the moment.
1: Well, well done them. Mm, very good. You got anything else? Can I squeeze something in? Can I squeeze I an auction in? Squeeze an
2: auction in. As long as you're not emptying next week's Dale uh, of the Century.
1: Well, I don't know. I might be, but well, I've a been. To go. I've I've been <laughs> I've been. It's been pointed out to me. Fran Blaisdale has fired me in a private message while we've been on the air. The autoauction.co.uk are liquidating the Mitsubishi Heritage fleet. The auction starts on the 1st of April. And this is basically auctioning off my childhood. Um, not just the cars, but also all the triple C registration numbers that Mitsubishi had, all the MMC registration numbers A1, A2, A3, A7, Eight, Nine, Ten, and Twelve. Plus um a Lancer Evolution uh nine group N car uh, Tommy Mackinnon signed special edition to uh, celebrate his fourth world championship I think that would have been that would have been that was the sixth yes I think it was uh from two thousand and one Oh my goodness! Uh, as you might know, Mitsubishi are, are being uh, are sort of pulling out of various marketplaces. So Mitsubishi UK are liquidating their heritage fleet. Their auction starts first of April, and if it's a subject of deal of the century, I will get them all right, Tim, because I am going to look You're at every to one bid of them those. On them all, aren't you? I, well, it, I may end up living in one if I do that. I really might. Uh, stay tuned. That's all we've got time for tonight. Thanks to Nick Damon, to share, Adam, and to all our guests, particularly to Jost Capital, who joined us for the big interview. Uh, we're staying on Formula One with our team's uh, Murray Walker memories, and then it's the Porsche, uh, the Porsche Carrera Cup North America preview, and we'll be back at the same time next week. But don't forget... Uh, check in on imsaradio.com. Our live coverage from the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring weekend starts with Mazda and Porsche races. Then we've got practice, qualifying and the whole race for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship as well as the Mission Pilot Challenge on Friday. It's all there on imsaradio.com. There's no time to explain because there's no time to explain tonight. We're just celebrating lives well led, motorsport enthusiasts, and we will miss them all very dearly.
0: This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.